Here we go, Las Vegas, across the country. It's the Super Sunday Night Edition of E-Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Tim Unglesby, and always my partner, Tom Barton Sports.com. Mr. Tom Barton, Tommy. I hear on all these other shows they always talk about sponsoring where they're at. So can we say? Coming to you live from the TomBartonSports.com Fox Sports Radio studio. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's do it on location, <laughs> as always. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it's it's one of those things, Tim. You can say we could have a sponsor for the studio. We could have a sponsor for that chair. We could have a sponsor for yeah <laughs> yeah from the from the chair that I'm sitting in, sponsored by this from a studio that brought you this. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. I'm ready. Well, Ryan is holding it down at the TomBartonSports.com Fox Sports Radio Studio tonight. Tommy and I, every Saturday and Sunday at 10 o'clock, we take you around the world of sports. The best local, in, in, at least in Vegas, the best local sports talk show there is. I mean, that's that's undeniable now running over a decade, Tom. Yeah, look, well, we're, we're still going strong. After all this time, it's um, it, you, it, it's... A situation that people told you 12 years ago, 13 years ago, Tim, what are you doing? You're you're saying things that you're not supposed to say. You're telling the truth, Tim. What are you doing? You're telling the truth on the air. You're not just looking for media passes so you can get a nice buffet. What are you doing? Well, yeah, 12, 13 years later here, uh, you're still going strong. We're still we're still rocking and rolling every single weekend, and every single weekend Las Vegas welcomes us in to sit back and talk about a couple of hours of sports talk here. I was actually told that you and I, as a combination, are definitely the longest running duo locally. Uh, no other show has had the same lineup as long as we've had, which is good. It means we tolerate each other. We get along. People like to listen to us, so we don't have to change that format up. Also. Like I said, the longest running nonstop from Heat Wave Sports as itself is the longest running show locally as well. Hey, man, who can make one of those uh, Las Vegas Hall of Fames? Tim, I hear they're they're pretty exclusive. I think if we if we go another seven years, we get into that Nevada Radio Broadcasters Hall of Fame. So yes, something to look for, yes. you know. Yeah, up there hey. with some great, great, great people. Yeah. Uh, a predecessor of ours, Seth <laughs> Mark, and uh, and predecessor of ours that we we've always been trying to chase the absolute infamy that he is. Yes, we should do. You, you remember? I, I don't know if this maybe this is in the late nineties, early two thousands uh, when you were in early radio. Do you remember those guys in cities, big cities? They they bought um, billboards and they had picture of each of them on it and then the whatever the whatever they want to use as the the title of it was right in the middle maybe we should do that put a picture of me and you on a billboard somewhere hey i'm ready i'm I'm always ready for a billboard but nowadays it's all like digital billboards right i mean but we'll go try to buy an actual billboard and they'll they'll try to sell us something in like the metaverse or something (laughs) so ryan just texted me this tom and and it is true. If we're on a, a total of 20 years, and it doesn't even all have to be in Nevada, we can be in the Broadcasters Hall of Fame. In fact, Ryan, our producer, is up next year. It'll be his 20th year. How about that? 
That is cool. It, it really is, it, it, you know, it, it really is something pretty awesome uh, because it not only shows that, um, you know, you've been doing it for a while, it shows longevity. Mm-hmm. And the longevity aspect really, it, it, I mean, that's the, the proof is in the pudding. We're in a business where there's so many different metrics for how radio is successful, right? It, you know, I used to work at WFAN when I first, first, first started. WFAN is the first and the biggest sports <laughs> station in the country. I remember that they, they literally would throw out the books on the well, the ratings book, because they didn't care. Ratings meant nothing to them because they had the best sponsors in the country. So sponsorship money mattered. Then you have people that really cared about ratings. Yeah, ratings mattered. But what would happen is they, they would peak. Yeah, I remember I was at ESPN uh, in New York for a while, and the ratings would peak, and then they'd go away for three months. they peak, and then they go away. All right, ratings could be there. I think longevity is the best telltale sign of success. Because longevity means you're still here, you're still going, you didn't run out of air and things to say. And like you said, people still want to listen to you. That is absolutely huge. Not to turn this into a discussion about ratings and and their value anymore, but see, you do many shows. You do shows across the country, do your own syndicated stuff. Is is it true that when an advertiser or potential advertiser asks you for ratings – that maybe they're not really up to date with what's going on in the in the the landscape of talk radio or digital radio because not so much as me- I, I get it how many people are listening but there's other ways to value what your show is worth. No ratings are used for one thing and one thing only, and that is to sell advers- advertising dollars. Right? Um, what people don't realize is that your ratings, generally speaking. Um, in in 99.9% of all all situations, your ratings are the station's ratings. Because what the ratings really are is how many people listen to that station for 15 minutes. It has nothing to do with your show in particular. Now, you can buy books for your show and to to really break it down into that area. Um, There's less than 50 people that, that, uh, 50 companies out there that buy it two years ago uh, when I was at the radio convention, they said that it was in the teens of how many stations bought specific shows. So what you were getting, you were getting a cumul- cumulative ratings for the station. And then the station tells you if they think that it's your show. But none of it matters. <laughs> you know, ratings are there for one thing. It's to sell advertising. If you are not selling advertising and you have great ratings, well, then you don't really have good ratings, right? And if you have horrible ratings but your show is sold out and you have great advertising nobody should care about ratings so we uh we're a weekend show um weekend shows are are very hard to rate but like i said i try to check in about once a year and we are always right there at the top tim good to know good to know it's because we bring you quality sports content each and every weekend except for next weekend we're off with vegas golden knights hockey and of course, this as we said last night, this time of year, with the holidays, we usually do take a little more time off. In hour two tonight, we're going to talk college football playoff, as we officially know the semifinal matchups. Talk about some of the big bowl games that were announced tonight, and Major League Baseball. By the way, Tim, yeah, we we, we love when Vegas Golden Knights hockey's on a time slot. You know why? Because why it's that? counted towards our ratings. Yeah. <laughs> 
This is why the ratings are a little skewed. There you go. There you go. We'll also break down some of the hottest free agents in the Major League Baseball market as the winter meetings, GM meetings begin tomorrow. Um, all that in hour two, which means in hour one, we're going to talk NFL football. A weird, weird day, week 13. The, the lucky 13 was not so lucky for some teams here. Before we even look at any of the games, Tom, let's get what's on deck out of the way. Tomorrow night, Monday night football on ESPN. NFC South, the Saints and the Bucks. This one will be in Tampa. Two games separate Tampa and Carolina from first to last in that division. Crazy that one of these teams is going to make the playoffs, possibly, possibly with a 500 record or lower, Tom. The Bucks three and a half tomorrow on their home field. Yeah, I mean, look, when, when we break this down, you have to just go through what do you believe? Because it's who's going to be worse? Tom Brady simply cannot beat this Saints team. He's owned six the last six times that he's faced them. He, he, he's just, they are his elixir, right? I mean, they are the team that just gets under his skin. Tom Brady doesn't play well against this team. Mike Evans can you just consistently gets beaten by Lattimore and shut down by Lattimore. The Bucks have the least amount of rushing yards in the entire NFL. So it's not even like they can lean on that. This is a bad, bad, bad matchup. Now, all of a sudden, the Saints, who know how to beat Brady, know how the, how the formula is. He struggles against them all the time, struggles against Mike Evans. Evans has been struggling anyway. This team has lost. And all of a sudden now, you know, you have a Saints team coming in with an opportunity here to win the game uh, that can really set them into a motion of, oh, yeah, maybe they can win this division. As far as the Saints go, the problem is, is that you're relying upon the worst Monday night football quarterback, the worst primetime quarterback ever. We make fun of Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins in primetime is Tom Brady in primetime compared to Andy Dalton in primetime. Andy Dalton has lost his last six Monday night football games. Andy Dalton is 6-20 and all-time in primetime. So, while you want to jump on the Saints, you have to look at the Andy Dalton factor as well. I think that that your initial reaction is to jump on the Bucks because we all keep thinking that the Bucks are eventually going to be okay. We keep assuming that the Bucks are going to turn into the Bucks, but the Bucks can't run the ball, guys. And Mike Evans is clearly something's up with Mike Evans. He's not doing well. Clearly, Tom Brady. Um, is dinking and dunking because his passing numbers are fine, but his touchdown numbers are way down. They're a broken team. And be, just because we think that they're going to come back and be fine doesn't mean they actually will. They're, we're, they're still a broken team. The Saints, though, how can they garner any money for you? How can you put a dollar on the Saints? Because Andy Dalton in prime time has just proven time and time again, you can't put a dollar on this guy. I, I mean, I lean the bucks. I think the Bucs are going to win, but I admit a lot of the reason why I think the Bucs are going to win is because I still think that the Bucs can still eventually be the Bucs. Yeah, like we said, one one team's coming out, coming out of this division. And <clears throat> I guess I would say, right, Tom Tampa's the best team in that division. But, like, again, we're not saying much, but a win tomorrow gives them a solid two-game lead. I don't know. You're right. They can't run the ball. They don't have the – he doesn't have his his big-time tight end anymore to, to kind of get him out of trouble, to open it up for the other receivers. It almost seems like a lost season for Tampa, but yet they're still in a position that they can make the playoffs. 
not only that, Tim, can, can I can I go out there and say they're actually not in a bad position to win the Super Bowl? And here, let me explain why for this under 500 ball club, right? Because I've loved what I've watched with their defense the last two weeks. And yeah, I know that the Bucs can't run the ball, okay? But all of a sudden, White is the guy running the ball. He didn't have 105 yards rushing last week. Maybe he's the fix as opposed to Fournette. Now, you got to remember, they just lost Tristan Wirfs, which is huge. This is an offensive line that we talked about in the uh, offseason. Lost three offensive linemen. Now they lost Tristan Wirfs, who many people consider one of the top, if not the best offensive linemen in the entire league. He's done. But I like what I've watched on defense. All year long, their defense has been solid, but not spectacular. Devon White has had games where you're shaking your head. You're like, wait a minute, is this the same Devon White? Against Baltimore, he looked terrible, Tim. I mean, absolutely terrible. He was missing tackles. He was just not in position. But the last two weeks, they've turned around. I know it's the Rams and Seattle, but they shut them down, and they looked as as potent as we've seen this defense look. And I look at this defense, and I go, you know, I think that this is a D that can carry them. Now, look, I know that the Cleveland game didn't go as well, but it's not like Cleveland ran up the score on them. It, it, was, it was more of a fluky kind of situation. Here's why I think that the Bucs can be dangerous. Because they could use these next couple of weeks and they could find out, is White the guy? And if White's the guy, they could start running the ball. Tristan Wirfs will be back later on in the season. So can the defense hold them? You know, they got they have some tough three games here. New Orleans, who owns them all the time. Then they go to at San Francisco next week. That is brutally tough, even with a backup quarterback. And then Cincinnati. Then you have to finish off the season. Arizona which will be another primetime game on Christmas, Carolina at home and at Atlanta. I fully expect them to go 3-0 to finish off the season, Tim, right? So I think they win this division. And here's, again, why I mentioned something like the Super Bowl, because I think that they can win this division. If you win this division, you get a home game. Who's gonna, who are they going to go up against? Look, it's either going to be Philly or Minnesota, most likely Philly getting that first-round bye, okay? So you're not going to play the other Philly or Minnesota. In, in their pursuit for a championship, the teams that this team is going to have to go up against is going to be visiting New York Giants, visiting Washington Commanders, visiting uh, very potentially, uh, you're talking about maybe, maybe even San Francisco. I mean, visiting teams that are going to be put in a good situation. Uh, I don't see anybody tough. Look, right now, are, are you taking the Minnesota Vikings in a playoff game against Tom Brady on the road? No, I'm not, right? I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not I'm not taking them at home. I'm not taking that uh, Minnesota Vikings. I'm not taking Minnesota uh, or San Francisco with a third-string quarterback against Tom Brady in January. Certainly not taking Washington. I'm certainly not taking the Giants. Dallas, maybe. And Philadelphia, maybe. So I think they're setting themselves up for a pretty good run here. If they can get by this game, you get by this game, you split with San Francisco and Cincinnati and you roll off three in a row. All of a sudden that, that, that record that doesn't look that good. Hey, you're now a 10 win team, 10 win team that wins the division. Now, now you could be dangerous, but you got to get these wins under your belt. And tomorrow night's actually a very important win or a very important game for them. Let's wheel around week 13 of the NFL. 
Houston Texans have been eliminated from the playoff race. And after today, Tom, your Chicago Bears will join them on the sidelines in the postseason. Chicago draws a goose egg in the fourth quarter, allows Green Bay to score 18 points on their way to a 28-19 win at Soldier Field. What can you say, right, Tom? Hey, you know what? I'm happy. I'm happy for a couple of reasons. I'm happy that the Chicago Bears um, were able to have a lot of success. Justin Fields made Green Bay look silly. Justin Fields has done that against just about everybody. The Bears had some success with some some young guys like Sam Bourne. You see him running all over the field. I like some of the things that the Bears did. But I also like that they lost. And, and I sound silly. And during the game, don't get me wrong, I was rooting for Chicago. During the game, I have a hard time looking at the big picture. I wanted the Bears to win. I was pumped up that the Bears could finally beat Aaron Rodgers. But when the, when the dust settled and they lost, I was able to take a, a bird's-eye view of the situation. I said, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that the Chicago Bears lost because Chicago has a legitimate shot at a top-five draft pick. And I want that top-five draft pick. I want it because you can sell it for a better quarterback. I want it because you might be able to get a generational linebacker in Will Anderson, right? So you have opportunity here. Stay in that top five. Continue to move up the ranking in your your NFL draft pick. So the big picture, it was a good day for Chicago, even though it's hard to sit back and, and, and say that, and it's hard to sit back and root for that. Do you let Fields keep going? Um, yeah, I mean, I do. I, I, look, yeah. if you were going to sit him down, it was going to be this week. They have a bye week next week. It was going to be this week. I, I wanted them to sit him down for this game. I thought it was smart for them to sit him down. But I get playing him. You want to get him as a most experienced he possibly can get. And the guy wants to go out there and play. Okay, that's fine. Next week is a bye week. So you get the rest. Coming out of that, he should be perfectly fine. Now, do I want him playing You know that last game at Minnesota? Probably not. But I do think it will be a good test for him. And it will be good stuff to put underneath his resume that he does face Philadelphia and Buffalo, those two huge, huge defenses. He gets two big-time defenses. It's not going to be easy for the Bears. It's not going to be easy for the Bears' offense, which has struggled now two weeks in a row after just rolling up how many points, right? But then he gets to finish off against Detroit and their defense and Minnesota. Nothing's going to be easy here for the rest of the year for Justin Fields. But maybe that's good. Maybe that is the experience. Staying in that division, Detroit, 40-14. to 14, They get the win over Jackson. We were just literally singing the praises of the Jags last night, and they very up-and-down team, Tom, again. A pathetic showing by the Jaguars on the road. Yeah, hey, I wrote you. What did I say this week when we were going over our picks? I said, you know, I kind of like the Jags, but don't they constantly just, just screw us, right? I mean – that's what the Jags have become. Um, the Jags uh, and and Trevor Lawrence now. Trevor Lawrence in two years is just brutally bad against the spread. Brutally bad against the spread. We're talking about, uh, you know, 9 and 20. I mean, the, the guy is terrible against the spread. And why? Because we see the glimpses, and then they just can't put it together back to back. I want to talk about the Jaguars, and I could probably talk about the Jags all day and their futility and the things that they – have not done well, but let's talk about the Detroit Lions. I know that we have Feldman, who, uh, you know, has such passion. 
you have to just admire his passion for how much he hates the Lions, but he's a Lion fan. I get it, man. I'm from New York. I get it when your, your team just frustrates you so much. And we got Chris Wynn, who's a big Lion fan as well. Um, and, and these guys are, even right now, you got to be impressed. You got to be impressed winning three or four games. You've got to be impressed. I know that the lineup isn't that good. Green Bay, Chicago, uh, the Giants, and Jacksonville. But you you played real well against Buffalo in the middle of that as well. You put up 31 or more points in three of the last four games in a 40 spot against a decent Jacksonville defense. Jared Goff put up 340 today. Uh, St. Brown is still just absolutely ascending to the number one spot. And you start to look at the Lions and you go, I know it's a lost season, right? Uh, but uh, overall, can you blame them for the losses that they've had? Let, let's just look at this real quick. Philadelphia, best team in the league, you lost by three. I don't think that there are any moral you know, victories, but that, that's a tough loss. Minnesota, second best team in the NFC, you lost by four. So you lost to the two best teams in the NFC by seven combined points. Then you lost by three to Seattle, another playoff team. Ah, that's a man. That, that three games separated by four points or less. You got blown out by New England, which happens, and it going to Foxborough. Blown out by Dallas happens. Best defense in the league. Played close with Miami, which a lot of people coming into today had Miami as one of the top two or three teams in the league. And Buffalo is the number one overall seed in the AFC. You lost by three. So you lost to Buffalo and Miami who were two of the top five teams in the league by three points each. Philadelphia and Minnesota by three points each. Seattle is a playoff team. I'm looking at this Lions team, and I'm going, I don't think you can sneak in. But, man, if you could sneak in, you could be dangerous. Uh, five and seven in a wide-open NFC. Five and seven. Can they sneak in here, Tim? Minnesota, Jets, Carolina, Bears, Green Bay. I, I think they could beat Minnesota next week. That would be six wins. I think they could beat the Jets. That's seven wins. I definitely think they could beat Carolina. That's eight wins. I think they could beat the Bears at home. That's nine wins. I think they beat Green Bay up in Green Bay for the last game and Jordan Love most likely. That's 10 wins. 10 wins is going to get you in the playoffs. Can the Lions make the playoffs, Tim? I mean, they can. I feel still think they're going to be the Lions. They'll find a way to lose to teams they shouldn't lose to and – That'll be it. You got to be impressed with what they've done here, though. Uh, really, going back to the Dallas game. You know, after the Dallas game, three-point loss to Miami. Beat Green Bay. Beat Chicago on the road. Beat the Giants on the road. Barely lose to Buffalo and then just wipe out Jacksonville. I'm mighty impressed with this team. Stay in the division again. Matchup next week, Lions-Vikings. The Vikings, a 27-22 win at home over the Jets. They held on to win this one, Tom. And that sets up, like you said, next week's big matchup in Detroit. Lines are already out. Vikings, one-point favorite at Detroit. Tim, I gave everybody on this show two regular season team total overs before the year went off. Eagles and Vikings, both of them were already cashed. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, but a lot of that was the product of the schedule. You know, you go through the schedule of the Minnesota Vikings, and I knew it coming in, it was going to be a weak schedule. They're, they're really, overall, who have they beaten? And how? what was their, what's their impressive win? Yeah, they have a nice win at Buffalo. They do. I'll give them that. 
But all the other wins, five-point win, seven-point win, three-point win, three-point win, four-point win, six-point win, it's all a touchdown or less, which you can say lets them battle, but it also brings up the point of, I think they're a little bit of frauds. Now, you beat the New York Jets today, but the New York Jets, Mike White had the ball with about a minute and a half to go on the one-yard line, and instead of kicking a field goal because they didn't think they would have enough time left, instead of kicking a field goal, they went for it and didn't get it, okay? And that's Mike White. That's a backup to a backup, right? Uh, had they kicked that field goal and, and just went and Robert Salad didn't go, you know, you know what to the wall and go all out, that would have been 27-25. Now the Jets did get the ball back with 13 seconds to go. Mike White, again, inside the 20. So had they taken that first field goal, they would have taken that second field goal and, and they would have lost. Now, a lot of ifs and buts and could have and had would have, but... It just shows you how Minnesota is getting a little bit lucky in a lot of these games. Kirk Cousins was terrible today. 173 yards at home. Justin Jefferson completely shut down. Sauce Gardner has taken on Stephon Diggs, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson. And he's allowed those guys 53 total yards or 53 average yards. So he's shutting down number one receivers. This is a as much as about the Vikings struggling with 10 wins as it is about what the Jets could have been had they turned to Mike White sooner. Eagles 11-1, and one, Tom. They get a 35-10 win at home today over Tennessee. Drops to 7-5. and five. Not really much to say what happened here. Uh, kind of we, we predicted that we thought Tennessee would be able to hang in this game, but the caveat was that if it got to a point where they were getting you know a two possession lead or more they're going to have problems catching up and what happened today was a 10-7 or what was it 14-10 Eagles lead they're able to punch it in right at the end of the half to give them a 21-10 at the break and then on the first possession of the second half they scored a touchdown as well so a 14-10 deficit for Tennessee became a 28-10 deficit and that was pretty much it for them. Well, I, I think that everything changed him. And I, obviously, I took Tennessee, gave you them as my free play last night. It's my first free play that I've lost in two months. I was 7-0 and coming in. Uh, but this game changed at the two-minute mark, at two minute and 47 seconds to go. Traylon Burks went deep, and I mentioned him last night. If Traylon Burks got going, here we go. Traylon Burks went deep. Um, he got knocked. He caught the touchdown, got knocked out helmet-to-helmet in the end zone by Philadelphia. Knocked out, unconscious, a lot of people think. Concussion protocol. And and that was it. They then didn't have a deep receiver after that, Tim, right? The game game was 7-7. They didn't have a a deep receiver. We have spoken about their ability to go and open things up because Traylon Burks, you, you have to put a safety on him, which means that there's not a safety in the box for Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had a terrible day. Because the Eagles just decided, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna dare them to try to throw it to somebody else. Well, when they dared them in the first quarter, Traylon Burke scored a touchdown, and it was seven seven. After that, he was knocked out. I think the entire complexion of the game just completely and utterly changed when Traylon Burks went out of this game. Do we look at it as it's a game? But and here's an interesting matchup next Sunday: Tennessee back home. Burke's going to be in concussion protocol, and they are a three-and-a-half-point favorite over a divisional team. Here comes Jacksonville again, Tom. Yeah, I 
<laughs> You're right. It, it's a really interesting game because I keep believing in this Tennessee team. I keep believing in them. But the reality is, who have they beaten? Right? I, I mean, you beat the Raiders. They're not a playoff team. They beat Indianapolis, not a playoff team. You beat Washington, barely a playoff team. Indianapolis, not a playoff team. Houston's not a playoff team. Denver's not a playoff team. Green Bay's not a playoff team. You, you lost to Cincy playoff team, Philadelphia playoff team, Kansas City playoff team, Buffalo playoff team, Giants playoff team. Every game they've lost was to a, a pretty sure fire playoff team. Every game they won outside of Washington was to a, a team that just won't make it. So here comes Jacksonville, Tim. Jacksonville's not a playoff team. I expect them to have success. They are at home. That's that's a, a positive in their momentum as well, but Traylon Burks being out, it, it, it is. It hurts, and it's a big knock to them. I think they almost have to look. They take on Jacksonville here twice in the last five games. They get the Chargers, who are beatable, uh, especially with their 5.4 yards per carry against, and you get Dallas. Um, let's say they, they split with Houston and Dallas. You beat uh, – I'm sorry, you, you win against Houston. Dallas and Chargers, you split there. That's two wins. So now you're up to nine. You got nine wins – but you got two games against the Jag. I think they got to win both games against the Jags, and that starts next week. You cannot lose that game at home. Cleveland trying to stay in the playoff race. 27-14 win on the road at Houston. Browns now 5-7. and seven. 27 points scored by the Browns, Tom. Zero offensive touchdowns. They scored two defensive touchdowns, a special teams touchdown, and some field goals. But the Browns get it done. Yeah, this was the ineptitude of Houston. Uh, Deshaun Watson came back. He looked bad. Well, we expected that 700 days off. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to look bad. Uh, Nick Chubb did not run well. 80 total yards for Nick Chubb uh, running. Donovan Peoples-Jones led the way receiving with only 44 yards. It was an offensive problem, an offensive struggle for this Cleveland Browns team. But they walk out of there with the win. Uh, the The... The reality here is that uh, you said playoff and Cleveland Browns in the same sentence, and uh, I'm offended personally because <laughs> those two should never combine in the same sentence, Tim. They're five and seven. This is not a team that can roll off five wins in a row, and I do think you need 10 at the AFC to get in. Um, at Cincinnati next week, Cincinnati will be a decided favorite. Your Baltimore Ravens, depending on who's starting there, uh, New Orleans at Washington's a tough game late in the year. At Pittsburgh's a really tough game late in the year. Um, I, they have to win five. I don't think nine wins get you in in the AFC. In the NFC, maybe. I don't think nine wins get you in in the AFC. So you, you got to roll off. You're going to have to roll five games in a row. I don't think they beat Cincinnati. I'm not sure they beat Baltimore. I'm not positive they beat New Orleans. I don't think they beat Washington. And I don't think they beat Pittsburgh in the last game. So I, they, they're as likely to me to lose all five games as they are to win. Let's get one more in before the break. Ugly game, ugly result. Washington, the Giants, Tom, 2020 official tie. You know, usually when you look at ties, it can go one way or the other. I don't think this helps either of these teams. It probably hurts them when you're talking about a playoff spot. Tim, I had a two-team parlay. You know, I never do parlays. Right before uh, the game went off, and I did not give this to my members, so I'm not going to sit back and pat myself on the back too much, but – Right before the game went off, I said, you know what? 
I got to throw a couple of bucks on a little parlay. I think the Denver game goes under. And all of a sudden, the Washington Giant game went over to 40 and a half. And I said, hey, you know, I'm going to take a little shot. I think that they're going to play tough. I'm going to go under. Tim, 40 and a half actually hits for me and it cashes. Uh, yeah, I was keeping a, a pretty close eye on this game because of that. It, it was not the futility of the offenses. Let's just give full credit to the defenses. Heineke had a good game. Robinson had a good game. McLaren had a good game. Uh, offensively, Daniel Jones had a good game. But the Giants in Washington, their defenses really just did step up. And they stepped up late, and they stepped up when they needed to. It was a well-rounded game. I know 2020 is ugly. We hate ties. We hate everything about it. But it was a it was an even matchup between two even teams, and it wound up being a 2020 game, which is an even score. When I watched that game, there was nothing that could differentiate these two teams. That's exactly who these teams are. That's exactly who they were. And guess what? They meet up again in two weeks. They get a weird scheduling situation where they have a bye week this week. Coming back from the bye, yeah, they take on each other again. So that's a weird scheduling quirk. After this short, short break, we're going to come back and talk more NFL Week 13 couple quarterback issues in the next segment. And, of course, the unbelievable game in Cincinnati. We'll talk about that. And your Las Vegas Raiders pick up their third win in a row. We'll break that one down for you as well. It's Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. That's 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. I just, I think they're kind of weird and it's just strange. Grown men wearing jerseys with another man's name on it. Like, are you in jail? Are you his bitch? It's just... Right. Kind of like that one? That's different because it's in a frame. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. Two more games from the morning matchups. Week 13 of the National Football League here on Heat Wave Sports. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton. Pittsburgh winners up now three of four. They take a road victory at Atlanta 19-16 and Tom Baltimore staying in the north. Tyler Huntley drives the Ravens 16 plays, 91 yards, two-yard touchdown run with 28 seconds to go. They were able to hang on there at the end due to a missed field goal from Brandon McManus. The Ravens win at 10-9. Yes, I said Brandon or I said uh, Tyler Huntley because Tommy Lamar Jackson goes out early in the first quarter with a knee injury. So a lot to just break down here, not only from these games, but what's coming up here in the future. Yeah, and I, I, I got to ask you, because I know you're, you're the Ravens fan, and I get it. You know, you watch the game as closely as I did, and people are going to look at this game and say, well, Lamar was out, and that's that's why they struggled. But Lamar got, had no success. Denver's defense is good, Tim, right? The best in the league at 17.4 points per game coming into the game but they were the 19th-ranked run defense. They're, you should have been able to run all over this team. And Lamar was not exactly crisp. We get it. But they weren't able to run. What happened there? I mean, that's the big concern to me. They weren't able to get anything done when Lamar was in there. I, I know that you could blame his injury and all that, but they didn't have any success and any running success against a defense that you can run on. It's frustrating when you talk about all the teams, right, Tom, that have running back depth issues. Well, Baltimore doesn't have that problem in whether it's Drake or Edwards, Justice Hill, whoever you want to 
really throw back there. They have notable running backs, and that includes Lamar Jackson and now Tyler Huntley, who's a mobile quarterback. I don't, I don't know either. You know, before he got hurt, they had four plays and three or more passes. So it, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what Harbaugh is. Is I, I think he's overthinking himself right now because of the way the team's played. And you know, luckily they've won two of the last uh, three games, but it, they haven't looked good doing it. That's the problem. And and now possibly miss next week, right, Tom? A little bit more time than that. I know Humley stepped in last year when Lamar went down, so they have the guy who has experience. But um, this this isn't the time. I told you last night this really isn't the time. Cincinnati's come on strong, and what looked like a short playoff berth, they really have to be careful here, and they might miss it completely. I think that they are. Look, if I'm looking at this from me outsider's perspective, Tim, and I'm not a fan here, I'm going. I feel like you should be able to feel comfortable getting into the playoffs. I, I, I do. You have one of, if not the weakest schedule coming up at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, Atlanta, Pittsburgh at home, at Cincinnati. That's five games. Let's take the Cincinnati game at it. That's four games right there. Even if you only win two, that's 10 wins. Mm-hmm. And I think, you, you know, 10 wins get you in. But I think you can win three of those next week at Pittsburgh. Even with Huntley, you're in the game. Cleveland, even with Huntley, you're in the game. And you got to expect Lamar to be back for Atlanta and Pittsburgh. You wipe out those two. And those are your two wins. If you could squeak out one with Huntley, that that's it. But the big picture is obviously what you're concerned about. How healthy is Lamar going to be entering the playoffs? I don't rush this guy back. I think Huntley is capable of getting a win out of the Pittsburgh-Cleveland. I think Huntley absolutely beats Atlanta or Pittsburgh at home. And you go into the Cincinnati game, I don't think that's the the 10th win that you need. I think that's the 11th win that assures you a spot. I think 10 wins does get you in. It wouldn't surprise me here to see them win three of the next four and it not even be a conversation. But how long do you keep Jackson out? And here we go again, Jackson injured again. Every year this guy is injured. And, Tim, I hate to go back to the contract situation, but there is a contract situation looming over Jackson, and him constantly being injured has to be brought up to the table. Sure. And just look at the way he started the season versus the way he was playing before the injury. Two, two different guys, right? So maybe they, they were – but Baltimore, again, I think barring any type of major long-term injury – I think they get it done. They have to bring him back. But I'm just saying, if you're looking at it from the perspective of, well, what are we signing him to all this money for? Because if you go back a year, he was having MVP-like season last year before he got hurt. So, yeah, that is a huge, huge red X mark you want to look at uh, what you're looking long term. But I'm like I told you off air, I'm glad we have an experienced quarterback and only knows the system, Tom. Nothing's going to change much in, in the play calling other than he's just not as athletic and talented, in my opinion, as Lamar Jackson. Uh, next week does worry me a little bit. And just because I look at it as a road game, it's a rivalry game. And Pittsburgh's actually, they're not they're not uh, lighting the scoreboard up, per se, Tom, but the defense has looked okay. And Kenny Pickett looks better every week. Baltimore's a one-point favorite on the road with a backup quarterback. Yeah, and... My concern here is that I don't understand 
why they're not able to run the ball. I mean, I mean, you know, two weeks ago, Drake led the way with 46 yards rushing. Last week, Lamar Jackson, your quarterback, 89 yards rushing. This week, Huntley, your quarterback, 41 yards rushing. I get it was against a good defense, but the last three weeks, Tim, they have not been able to get anything running on the ground at all from their running backs. And we're talking about, like you said, Gus Edwards, Kenyon Drake. Uh, I know that they're backups, but this is a team that must run the ball to succeed. They have to run the ball to succeed. Your your leading rusher today was 41 yards from your backup quarterback who didn't even play the whole game. That's a problem, Tim. And that looks just like the Carolina game was a problem. And the Jacksonville game masked a lot of the problems, but it was still one of the problems because Jackson led the way. I, I, you know, people look at that and they go, well, Lamar's a good running quarterback. You should still not be leading the way with 89 yards as a, as a quarterback. When when can they find that running game? Now, you can run on Pittsburgh, uh, but their defense in the second half has been a lot better against the run. You could run on Cleveland, but their defense in the second half has been a lot better against the run. When are they going to be able to establish a running game? Is it wait for J.K. Dobbins to get back? I mean, is he the reason that they're they're, they're looking this bad? I don't know. I know there's a... – <clears throat> Obviously, you know, when your quarterback's your leading rusher, they're not all designed plays like that. They're breakdowns on the line. So I have to think that the line's a little beat up right now. We saw that. Look, Ronnie Stanley out again. Right, Tommy missed most of the season already. That's a huge hole on the left side. I, I think that has something to do with it. But, but again, you're saying they're playing stronger defensive teams. Pittsburgh, here we go again, right? It'll be the same, it's the same recipe that we've been talking about. So I'm, I'm not – too enthused about this game coming up. It's tough enough. It's regardless of records, how these teams play against each other. But I just think the momentum is on Pittsburgh side right now, not Baltimore's. Yeah, it certainly is. It absolutely is, especially with the way that they're playing and TJ Watt being back. Uh, yeah. A lot of pride going out on there in Pittsburgh where they want to end off the season and not be just, you know, a completely laughing stock. Uh, this is going to be the first Pittsburgh team. If they don't pick it up, to give Mike Tomlin a losing season. Uh, and that uh, that's something they want to avoid. Let's look at these afternoon games, Tom, in L.A. Backup quarterback for the Rams. And Seattle had to squeeze out a win here on the road, 27-23. Geno Smith, though, did throw three touchdowns, 367 yards. His wonderful season continues, looking better than Russell Wilson. And the Hawks, 7-5 and five now, Tom. Yeah, look, Seattle is a team that I, I thought that this was a statement game for them. The line was seven and a half and dropped all the way down to six. Uh, people were, were believing in the Rams, and I get it. It's because Seattle's defense is ranked 26 in the league. Tim, uh, Seattle's defense is just bad. And you watched Wolford come down the field and, and do well, but it was the running game. I mean, the Rams were able to run all day. And, and flat out, Kenneth Walker has been a disappointment. Kenneth Walker last week, 26 total yards. Uh, rushing that 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 was bad. Week before that, want to talk about running? Week before that, Smith led the way with 22 yards rushing. This week, DJ Dallas led the way with 37 yards rushing. Seattle cannot get a running game going. So you said it, Cheeto Smith, 367 this week, uh, 328 last week. They're relying upon his arm, and he's getting it done. But all of a sudden, Seattle can't run the ball, and that's a problem. If Seattle cannot run the ball, they are not a threat here. You said, well, Seattle with seven wins. I, I don't buy them into winning any of the games left if they cannot run the ball. 
But you look at their schedule and you go Carolina, that they'll be favored there. San Francisco, if you can't run the ball, you lose in that game. Kansas City, can't run the ball, you lose in that game. The Jets, can't run the ball, you lose in that game. And then a rematch with the, with the, the Rams. I'm looking at their schedule and I go, yeah, I know how great Seattle the story has been so far. The last three weeks, their running game worries me. Could I see it coming into that last weekend in a rematch here against the Rams? Yeah, I could see them needing that game to get in. But I'm looking at Seattle now, sort of like a nine-win team, Tim. I think they beat Carolina. I think they beat the Rams. But in the bookend there, I don't see them taking on and winning against the Jets, San Fran, or KC. Well, they're game behind the Niners, who are 8-4 and four after today's 33-17 win at home over Miami. Is the injury to Jimmy Garoppolo, the starting quarterback for the Niners, joining Trey Lance on the sideline with an injury, Tom? So they're out. Purdy's the guy right now. Is it going to be enough to get him into the playoffs? Well, it was pretty funny because uh, Fred Ward came out there and uh, he turned around and said, well, Brock Purdy's been going up because he's the third-string quarterback. He's been going up against uh, the best defense in the league for 13 weeks. (laughs) 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 He's got a point, Tim. I mean, he's got a point. Uh, Yeah, I think the the Niners are going to be okay for the short term because of – the fact that I don't buy into anybody in that in that, that division. I don't buy into the Seahawks catching them here. So San Francisco will win this division, but it'll be not because of anything more than just kind of surviving with Brock Purdy. Surviving is what they did today. They're going to be able to survive some games. You look at their schedule, and just a, a quick glance, Tampa Bay next week, that's no pushover with the way the Tampa Bay's defense has been playing. Seattle, Washington, Vegas, Arizona. I still see them winning this division. I still see them looking good. But we're talking about big picture. I spoke about this on my show this morning. I had uh, on my Sports Garden Network show, Want to Bet, I had Alan Stiles from 95-7 The Game in San Francisco come on. And we talked about this. And I said, everybody is jumping on the Niners to win the Super Bowl. The Niners had garnered more attention over the last two months, more money coming in than any other team. They were actually favored in the NFC tied right there with Philadelphia to win the NFC. I think all those hopes and dreams are kind of dashed. Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the season. Jimmy Garoppolo is not coming back. Okay. Josh Johnson was signed off the practice squad. Brock Purdy is not going into Philadelphia in January, winning a game. He's not doing that. I don't think that San Francisco with Brock Purdy is beating Tom Brady in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I look at this San Francisco team and I say, you can win this division, but you have now have a ceiling, and your ceiling is not a Super Bowl. How about the Dolphins, Tommy? Eight and four now with a loss. Chalk this up to just a bad game. Played a good defense here. Travel, what do you want to say? Forget about the 33-13, Tim. That, that, that wasn't the real score. San Francisco scored late in, in this game, but uh, – Look, Tua threw a touchdown on the first play of the game, about a 50-yard touchdown, and then proceeded to not have a completion until, like, the second quarter. Uh, he was out of sorts today. Tua went – you can look at the numbers. He go 295. No, Tua was out of sorts. But with all that said, this was a six-point game. It was a six-point game, and Tua made mistakes. And every time Tua made a mistake, he had two interceptions in this game. Every time Tua made a mistake – San Francisco capitalized and capitalized huge in this game. 
I think what we saw from Miami is that they could go toe-to-toe with anybody. But Tua has – he's got to be perfect because they can't run the ball. Again, running problems. Against Houston last week, they only ran for 39 yards. It was their number one rusher. And this week, most 30 yards is all they could get done against a good defense. Now, they take on the Chargers, who you're going to have to run against next week. Buffalo, tough defense. They still go to New England, tough defense. Still got to take on the Jets, tough defense. So you'll you'll get wins against Green Bay and L.A. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not worried about the playoffs. Miami's making the playoffs. But the real tests are, can they beat the upper echelon teams? We talked about schedule and the, the question of who has they have they beat. Yeah, on their schedule, Miami has New England, Baltimore, and Buffalo. Oh, that's three good wins, Tim, right? Three mm-hmm. good wins. It came in weeks one, two, three of the season. Since then, they've lost to Cincinnati. They've lost to the Jets. They've lost to Minnesota. Those are the three playoff teams. Then they go back and they've lost to, I mean, they won against Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago, and Cleveland, four non-playoff teams, and Houston, five. Now they lost to San Francisco. So after the first three games of the season, they are four or five and four. They're five wins against non-playoff teams. They're four losses against playoff teams. Miami's got to show me more that they could beat playoff teams like Buffalo, like New England coming up. And I don't even know if New England's necessarily a playoff team. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I think when I look at Miami, <clears throat> I see they can't run the ball. It's for whatever reason now that, that's been an issue. And other than Tyreek Hill, who, who's the receiver that's stepping up when he's double teamed? They don't have anybody. Waddle's basically disappeared. Yeah, Waddle was uh, banged up again today. Uh, you know, he's not 100%. And, you know, you mentioned that. Uh, Sherfield seemingly like is the guy. He's the guy that caught the, the ball in the first uh, first play of the game. And I think he's more of a product of getting behind people because they just don't double team him. They put their, their worst corner on him. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, it's the running game, though. Mostert, Wilson, you can't have your leading rusher uh, rushing for 30 yards. You just can't do it. As much as you guys want to pass, and they are, they have the number two passing offense in the league at 291 yards. That's great. And they got there today, 295 by two. That's wonderful. You've got to be able to still run the ball. And not only do you have to be able to run the ball, Tim, you got to be able to run the ball in the playoffs, in the cold. They're going to Buffalo, right? They're going to New England. Those are two places that they're going to have to go to in the next couple of weeks. That They are not going to be fun environments. You've got to be able to run the ball, and this team can't. And then you think about playoffs, you think about going to Kansas City, going to Cincinnati. These are games that you have to, have to run the ball, and they're not going to be able to run the ball. They are not. They don't have a chance if they can't run the ball. Am I missing something with Jeff Wilson? They trade for the guy. He was having a decent run in San Francisco with their injury um, problems before McCaffrey got there. He ran the ball one time today. What was last week? He ran the ball three times. I, I, don't, I don't understand what the pickup was there. Tim, it's the Shanahan effect, isn't it? it, it Shanahan outthinks himself. Shanahan uh, goes and gets Christian McCaffrey, and he gives Eli Mitchell more carries than him. And we go, <laughs> what the what the hell is he doing, right? Uh, yeah, Wilson um, just just was not a part of the game plan today. Just in a revenge game that we all thought, okay, wow, he's going to run heavy. He's going to run, uh, you know, dangerous. Uh, no, no, no. Doesn't even get carries today. It, it's a disciple of Shanahan. It's the Shanahan way to just be confusing and weird when it comes to running backs. 
well, McCaffrey was, we all said that was the best pickup at the deadline at 60 yards rushing, another eight receiving touchdown. I mean, Purdy's got a good outlet there. And if they simplify it for him, like you said, I think they'll be okay. But come playoff time, it's, it's, you have to step up to the next level, and that's going to be a problem. But in the meantime, Tom, I still think I agree with you. I think they can get to probably 11 wins. Tim, give me the Tampa Bay Bucks, who back into the playoffs getting points going against Brock Purdy in San Francisco. Money line. You know it's going to happen. Brady back in San Francisco. All everybody's doubting him, and Brock Purdy is who he's got to go out there and beat. <laughs> well, if you know, if you remember a couple years back, same scenario, right? Brady in the playoffs with the Bucks, and the opponent was Tyler Heineke and the Washington Redskins at that time. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And Heineke yeah. played really well. He actually did. Yeah, you're right. But looks like we are at the top of the hour. Here on Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. A couple more games to, to finish up, including the, the main event of the afternoon, KC and Cincinnati. We're going to talk college football playoff in hour two and Major League Baseball free agency as well. Hang on. We're coming right back at you here on Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. You ready? Now back to Heatwave Sports. Super Sunday night edition of Heatwave Sports. Thanks for tuning in. Hour number two. We will be off next weekend. Back at it the following Sunday night. The 18th is our uh, next scheduled show after we close the mics tonight. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton. And Tommy, it, holiday season, a lot of college basketball tournaments coming up. We got the football, of course. We're going to talk college football here in a, in a little bit. So plenty going on. Plenty for you. Pick out some nice winners over at Tom Barton Sports. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I, I actually had my first losing NFL week in two months, Tim. Yet I turn around and I look at the numbers and I go, wow, okay. I am absolutely crushing it. And it's not just the NFL, uh, college basketball, college football, uh, just every single sport right now. I am not only over 500, I'm making pretty good money in every single sport. And this is when you want to jump on board. Jump on board TomBartonSports.com right now. You get 30 days of service for the $200, right? There's 30 days, every game, every sport. So you're going to get everything in the NFL, obviously, over the next four weeks, all through. But you're also going to get all of my bowl games in college football. You're also going to get every NBA and every NHL and college basketball, which is rocking and rolling right now. Incredible. December is usually my biggest volume month. And over the last three of the last four years, December has been one of my two best months winning-wise. So you want to jump on TomBartonSports.com right now. I am coming off of a, a – Seven-week stretch where there is nobody in the country hotter than me. You could go and look at it. It's documented. It's verified. It, it's everywhere that you can look. TomBartonSports.com. I am in the best zone that I've been in years. And right now I'm going into the month that has traditionally been one of the greatest months for me. So go sign up at TomBartonSports.com. 
three games left here to go through at week 13. Not the Dallas Cowboys. Tommy, this game at one point in the third quarter was Dallas 21, Indianapolis 19. Dallas scored 33 points in the fourth quarter. Colts turnover after turnover after tur- It looked like a, a, a bloopers reel, basically. It was embarrassing, actually, if, if you're an Indianapolis Colt fan. And, Tommy, they just kept scanning over to Jeff Saturday every time. Like, wh- what are you looking for? I mean, the guy – I don't want – I'm not even going to blame him for that, right? Just it got away from badly in the fourth quarter in an inflated 54-19 win by the Cowboys and now 9-3. and three. Yeah, look, a good win by the Cowboys. Take nothing away from them. Uh, everything was working. I think Dallas is a very, very, very dangerous team in a wide-open NFC. Um, I like them right up there with every other team. I mean – Everyone's looking at Philly and Minnesota. I think I might take Dallas above them. I'm not a Dallas fan, guys. They're right there for me. Um, Everything worked for them tonight, but a lot of this was just the indie ineptitude. They can't catch a break this year. They were supposed to be good. They're they're clearly not. Everything's going bad. It's not Jeff Saturday's fault, okay, Uh, but he's also not helping the cause. So, look, I think you just chalk this up to, like you said, Comedy of errors for Indianapolis in the second half, but Dallas keeps racking up wins. And if they're able to somehow or another overtake Philadelphia and you get home field, wow, watch out for Dallas. I think it's watch out for Dallas anyway, but really watch out for Dallas. I think Dallas is the team that if I'm if I you gave me a free hundred bucks right now and said, take a futures play on a team to win the Super Bowl, I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys. Real quickly on last year's fantasy football MVP in a lot of leagues, number one pick in a lot of leagues, top five pick in a lot of leagues, John Taylor, 861 yards rushing, which puts him at 10th in the league. He's coming up on 200 carries, though, Tom. Puts him right at the top of, of the league. Four touchdowns versus I don't remember what the number was last year, but it, it was big. I think he's had one 100-yard game in the last six weeks, so – is this the line? Is this the team? Is this no other option so teams can key on them? Or is it sophomore jinx? I think all of the above. Mm-hmm. I don't think Jonathan Taylor was as good as we watched last year. I think that he's been dealing with a lot of injuries. I think teams are loading the box because they're not afraid of Matt Ryan, who actually is dead last in the league at big play production. He hit Alec Pierce early in the first uh, half in this one, and you go, oh, man, what? where has that been? And I think that the offensive line has played down to their competition this year. They played better over the last couple of weeks, but overall, it, it it's an everything kind of situation for Jonathan Taylor. He's a guy that just uh, – it's just a bad year. I think he comes back next year and he's a lot better. Uh, but I don't think that Jonathan Taylor was ever going to be the best running back in the league uh, probably ever again. I mean, he had one of those just ridiculous years. I think he's a good running back, and I think he'll be in the conversation again. Uh, but not not with what we, we have going on. You can't do it with a backup quarterback who is just getting crushed. He's been sacked 32 times in 10 games coming into this game. A bad offensive line, bad run scheming, bad blocking, injured ankle. Nah, just too much, too much against Jonathan Taylor this year. Here in Las Vegas, the Raiders win their third in a row, now five and seven. 27-20 win over the Chargers, who dropped the six and six. I, I don't, you know, 
really the, the Raiders in the last three games, if you really find their wins, it's defined by spurts or big plays. Adams, Carr, obviously two times today. And then they back up these jolts of energy and momentum, Tom, with just garbage play. They looked terrible in the fourth quarter today. They allowed San Diego to get back into this game. And San Diego had the ball. And I know situationally the the timing didn't work out with no timeouts, but uh, I think for me, it's not. I'm going to go. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to go not with that the Raiders won this game as much as I think San Diego is just San Diego. Yeah, and look, let's give it. Uh, the line flipped a full five points, Tim. Crossed the zero, flipped five points because the Chargers just are so banged up. And it's not an excuse. It's a reality check. I'm not telling you that, you know, not everybody's dealing with the excuses, but the Chargers were dealing with two offensive linemen out. Mike Williams is still out. I, this is a different team if Mike Williams is in there, different team if Lindsay's in there, different team if their offensive line is intact. With that being said, I'm still very impressed with the Raiders and Josh Jacobs. I mean, Jacobs is the guy. When they go to him, and we talked about this early in their year on our uh, Las Vegas Raiders Raider report, we – we highlighted if they go to Josh Jacobs, they can win games. Uh, they just often decide to not do that, right? Yeah. You look at the Raiders and you go, they're five and seven. And what what could their record have been if they just went to Jacobs early? To give you an example, Josh Jacobs led the way, led led the league in rushing, or the led the uh, team in rushing in week one against the same Chargers team with fifty seven yards. They would have won that. They would win that game had they committed to Jacobs. Overtime against Arizona, they win that game had they committed to Jacobs. Against Tennessee, probably win that game if they commit to Jacobs, right? When they commit to Jacobs, good things happen. They've committed to him. 109, 229, 144 rushing the last three weeks. They've committed to him. And all of a sudden, the wins are coming. You got the Rams up next. That's a win for the Raiders. Or it should be, again, if they run with Jacobs. New England's going to be a tough game. Pittsburgh's going to be a tough game. Now you go to San Francisco, Kansas City. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, guys. The Raiders, I heard people saying, well, you know what? They could rattle it off. They could get 10 wins. You can, but I'm telling you now, New England's a pick game. Pittsburgh's a lot closer than you want it to be at Pittsburgh. San Francisco's a pick game. Kansas City, you're a decided underdog. So I do think that the Raiders have to win all five. I don't think they quite get there, but I am impressed with what they've done over the last couple of weeks because they're riding the Jacobs train. They didn't commit to Jacobs in the offseason, not giving him the fifth year. They didn't commit to Jacobs running the ball early, cost them games. We agreed. All of a sudden, McDaniels thinks he's a genius because he's done what we basically said to do was just ride Jacobs into the ground if you have to. And now I hear Tom locally in local news that they may lay a franchise tag on Josh Jacobs to bring him back next year for one more year. You talk about pissing somebody off. That's the way to do it, Tom. <laughs> Well, he, he could be part of angry runs then. He'll be he'll be <laughs> angry and playing for the Raiders. Yeah. yeah. And in the matchup of the day, the Cincinnati Bengals now have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs three straight times dating back to last season. 27-24, home win. Back and forth game. Burrow with a go-ahead touchdown late. And here we go, Tom. Bengals 8-4, Chiefs 9-3. and three. This, this was a fun one to watch, man. Yeah, it, it's very fun. And, Joe Burrow just he just elevates his game when he sees this Kansas City team. Joe Burrow 
coming into the game, uh, averaged almost 350 yards and six touchdowns to one interception in the last two games against Kansas City. And he had a huge game today, right? So you're talking about, well, we talk about Mahomes against uh, a Burrow, and that's what it is. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. It's not Mahomes against Burrow. It's Burrow against this defense. Because the Kansas City defense, they get beat. You could throw on them all day long, and that's exactly what happened today. Burrow 286. Chase went off for 97 in his return. They win the game again, and now Cincinnati's starting to become that team that you go, okay, they're dangerous. Okay, hold on. And I said this when we did our preview show, and I actually said, you know what? I don't even know if the Bengals are making the playoffs, okay? I take full ownership. Why? Because I thought that they were going to start really slow. But I said to you guys, if they if they are able to sort of stay healthy and keep Joe Burrow upright, they're going to be able to figure things out. And that second half of that schedule just gets really, really, really easy. And you start to look at the wins that they've rattled off. And you go, wow, okay, this team's won four in a row. They've won six or seven. They've beaten New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, now Casey. Baltimore uh, was a loss. Cleveland was a loss. Pittsburgh was a loss. Dallas was a loss. Tim, this is one of the weakest schedules out there. I mean, it really is. But going and beating KC today was really impressive. What I look at is is their, their remaining schedule and people going, well, they can get the number one overall seed. They can, but there's not a layup on there. Cleveland, at Tampa, at New England, Buffalo, Baltimore. Tim, they could lose every one of their games as well. So I'm not too high on the Bengals. I'm trying to not be Monday morning overreaction because the Bengals look good. I give them all the credit in the world. But, man, their schedule's tough coming up. KC, they'll, they'll pick up where business left off uh, last week, next week. Yeah, KC's fine. Um, I still think that. Generally speaking, they're the best team in the league, but I do see problems, Tim. You can throw on this team. They have, uh, uh, since week three, they're, they're like ranked 23rd against the pass. They give up big plays. They're not good defensively against the pass. And who might you have to go up against? Miami, Cincinnati, teams that throw the ball. Now, they're they're going to be fine. They got Denver, Houston, Seattle, Denver, Vegas next. Those five games, they'll be favored in every one of those games. I'll go as far to say they'll be a touchdown or more favorite in four of those five games, maybe all five. They they might sweep the board here and win five in a row. This might be that wake-up call that they get um, five in a row, five straight wins. It, I, I could absolutely see that happening. they just cruising. They will do that. But you have to be a little concerned because they've had tests this year. They had certain tests. Their tests have been against Buffalo. Their tests – have been at Cincinnati. They lost both of those. Now, they did pass a nice test against San Francisco, but outside of that, they, they, they failed the other two tests. And it looks like Reed's going going with Pacheco now. He's had, a couple, uh, what, three or four good games in a row. I know McKinnon's there, and Hilaire is on the IR, and you got Gordon signed up, but it appears that they're going with the Rook, the running back position. There's so many weapons there. You know, Hardman's out right now, Tom. Would it be... Would it be foolish of me? Would you say, Tim, don't waste your money if I said, Tommy, I can get right now, I can get the Chiefs six to one to win the Super Bowl. Can I can I put some money down? I wouldn't just because they're in the AFC, Tim. And it's day I could see anybody getting knocked out. 
Look, it's smart money if you fully believe that, uh, you know, Kansas City is going to be able to correct things. And, yeah, tomorrow morning their, their Super Bowl odds might drop a little bit. I just look at the gauntlet. I think you're crazy to take anybody in the AFC because they have to face each other, right? I mean, everybody in the AFC has to face everybody in the AFC. And I'm not only talking about the big boys. Take it on the Titans might be a problem down the road, right? Take it on your Ravens might be a problem down the road. I just think you're nuts taking anybody in the AFC strictly because there's so many good teams in the AFC that can bite you on any given wild card weekend. What if I could take the AFC minus three against the NFC to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay. That might yeah, be I like that a lot. Because, yeah. who, look, who are you, who are you getting? Let, let's just say San Francisco and Brock Purdy. I, I don't care who's playing them. I, <laughs> I like that minus three, right? Um, Minnesota and Kirk Cousins in, in, in a big game. I don't care who it is. I'm taking that, right? Tom Brady, that, that's, the, that's the tough one. But, look. With that banged-up offensive line, yeah, I'll take the AFC. It's Dallas and Philly that are the two uh-oh kind of teams. I I don't believe in Dallas at all it went in a big game, and all of a sudden you, you believe in them. Like I, like I said, I like the value on Dallas to win the Super Bowl, but you're going up against, if they go up against a Kansas City, a Cincinnati, a uh, heck, even a Miami, I think I still like that the AFC. And, and Philly would be the one that, People are nervous about. I don't think that Philly's game translates into play into the playoffs. They've had one of the weakest schedules in the NFL. So, yeah, I like that. Where are you getting that line? I like it. I might have to go uh, do a little a little investing after the show tonight. I saw it on a on Vegas Insider website. So, bear with me on that one as far as whether the legitimacy of it works or not. Um, no, well, I know they have them out there. I, I could do some research. That, that ma- it makes sense, Tim. And if that's uh, if that's the play, then I think I think I like it a lot. I think the AFC is just dominatingly better. Yeah. No, I agree, hundred percent. The college football playoff is set. We know the four teams. Tom, it did go the way you said it was going to go. Number one, Georgia, will play number four, Ohio State, in the evening matchup on New Year's Eve. Michigan, the number two seed, will play TCU, the number three seed, in the afternoon game. Both will be on ESPN. Georgia, Tommy, six-and-a-half-point favorite on the opening line against Ohio State. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm not, I don't say this often, Tim. I'm very happy with the college football committee. They kept TCU where they needed to be. They kept Ohio State. Look, I think Ohio State is a dangerous team here in this spot. They are the four seed. They feel a little disrespected. They have something to prove after losing to Michigan. They've had time off. I think Ohio State's offense can cause some problems for Georgia, but you got to go Georgia. I mean, they are the prevailing favorite. They have dominated against everybody. But I think Ohio State is a dangerous, dangerous matchup for for the Bulldogs. I mean, Georgia really got screwed out of everybody in this whole thing because they have to take on Ohio State as opposed to TCU. Michigan. This will be in Arizona. So the <clears throat> Georgia will be basically a home game. They're playing in, in the Falcons football stadium, Mercedes-Benz Dome. Michigan will be in Arizona at State Farm Stadium, Arizona's home. And they're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite in that game against the Horned Frogs. Yeah, I don't know how much TCU could possibly score here. Um, 
This has like 30 to 10 written all over it for me. I think TCU has been a good story this year, but their, you know, their quarterback and their running quarterback and their, their, their big guy, he's kind of the, the story that everyone's paying attention to. And he's not going to get any running room against Michigan. Um, I, I, I'm I'm leaning both favorites. I'm leaning both favorites to to win pretty handedly, actually. The winners of those two games will play ten days later, Tom, out in SoFi Stadium, where the Rams and Chargers play. But we saw the bowl games. I, I don't know if you looked at them all yet, Tommy. Was there anything that stuck out to you as far as maybe not betting wise, but just entertainment wise? I thought there were some really good matchups coming out here for this bowl season. Yeah, you know, there, there, there's a few that kind of catch your eye. Betting-wise, I have not dove in yet, Tim. It's still just way – it was way too early today uh, for me to kind of jump into that. But there are some interesting games. When you're, when you're when you look at the Bulls, I always just look up, okay, what matchup can be fun, right? What, what's a matchup that I actually – I want to devote time to and, and watch? I'll tell you what, the Boise State-North Texas game is a fun game. I, I know everybody's going to be all over Boise State. That's a fun game. I think that that could be an entertaining one um, that maybe it'll be a little overlooked, but I think that that could be entertaining. I, I think that Wake Forest, Missouri is a good game. I love Sam Hartman. I think Wake Forest is a fun team. Uh, going up against a Missouri team that really started to look like they kind of came into their own late in the season, that could certainly be a fun game. Oregon, North Carolina, the total might be 110, Tim. Oregon, North Carolina in the Holiday Bowl is my favorite game. I'm a defensive guy, but I got to be honest, I am pumped up to watch the, you know that, that scoreboard reach 100 because it's certainly going to get there. Oregon, North Carolina is maybe my favorite, uh, you know, out of all these, my favorite game that you look at. How about Washington, Texas? This isn't just coming from a Washington fan, but the Alamo Bowl, Washington, Texas is a pretty good one as well. Um, people are going to look at Tennessee Clemson, ah, you know, it falls a little short for me. And I think even for them, it's going to fall short. So uh, those are kind of my favorites. It, what stuck out to you? I'm looking more, yeah, the ones you brought up, obviously, I thought I liked that one a lot, those games a lot. I think locally you got Florida and Oregon state, Oregon state They're If everything goes right, Tom, and they win this game, they potentially have a chance sneaking the top 10 at the end of the year, nine win team. I think a lot of people overlook the Beavers, and you have Florida. That you know that that's uh, SEC coming coming west. That's going to be a, a good game for Vegas. I thought they did well with that playing in Elysian Stadium. I like, yeah, I really like that Holiday Bowl matchup too. It really stands out as what could be fun to watch there in uh, Padre Stadium. Um, <clears throat> personally, here's a good one. You you have know a little bit about this one too. In Orlando, how about Florida State? Top could potentially finish in the top ten this year. Getting Oklahoma, I know Oklahoma's a little down, Tom, but I think this is a, a good chance for really the Florida State to break out again. Yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, Florida State was really playing well at the end of the year. I just don't have any any oomph in Oklahoma this year, you know. So that mm-hmm. kind of bothers me. How about the Rose Bowl? Look, Utah Penn State is a pretty good one as well. Um, Rose Bowl always gets a a good matchup, and. and how much? How much of the country is going to be rooting for Tulane to upset USC <laughs> at the Cotton Bowl? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple personal. But yeah, that, that, my fa- my favorite is that Oregon game because I 
Oregon, North Carolina. I and when I I'm not joking. Look, I didn't see the line. I'm being honest with you. I was just completely inundated with with NFL today, so I have not seen the total. If this total is an 80, I'm going to be stunned. Yeah. I, I, I mean, what, seen any, yeah. no, me neither. But but it has to be like 80, Tim. I mean, even at 80, I'm going over. But it's got to be 80. It has yeah. to be 80. How about this, Tom? Personal personal notes. I was really hoping Maryland would slide to the, I think it's the guarantee first-rate bowl or whatever it's called. It's in uh, Phoenix. Really hoping that they would they would uh, get there. Wisconsin got instead, and Maryland has more wins. So apparently this game that Maryland's playing is a better bowl. They get North Carolina State uh, Friday the 30th in, in Charlotte. So I won't be seeing my Terps this year. But that's a good game, too, I think. And I know NC State they lost their quarterback, but I think that's really when you talk about Maryland now, back-to-back bowl games, Tommy. Last year they crushed VTech there in your neck of the Wizard in the Pinstripe Bowl. They get another win here. You know, it's it's good to see a program that's probably never going to win a national title, but kind of ascend from where they were here the last five years, which was at the bottom of the Big Ten. Well, and Tim, I know that you're, uh, you know, kind of, brushing aside NC State uh, just because, you know, they did lose that quarterback, but it is a top 25 team. I mean, NC State ended the season in the top 25. They ended at 25. So that that's a, that's a, a program-defining win as well for Maryland to say, hey, we beat a top 25 team in a bowl game. And this one you get a chuckle, chuckle at. And then we're going to take a quick break to set up for Major League Baseball. Our buddy, Ron Natty one of the originators of Heat Wave Sports. His brother, Scott, is a coach at SMU. So Ronnie sends his pictures every week he's at the games. Uh, SMU will be playing in the New Mexico Bowl, Tom, in Albuquerque against BYU. And I kind of made fun of him because, look, nothing against anybody from Albuquerque, okay? Nobody's talking about going to Albuquerque. So I text, I text Ronnie. I was like, are you going to the New Mexico Bowl? He's like, absolutely. I go, oh, I feel bad for you. You got to go to Albuquerque. He goes, uh, curse word, no kidding. Last week, we were going to Louisiana, Shreveport, and instead now I have to go to Albuquerque. But I thought that was funny. But, you know, <laughs> that that could be potentially a high-scoring game as well, SMU and BYU. I love how you said no offense to people from Albuquerque, which just <laughs> means that you're going to offend everyone from Albuquerque. I know. Uh, I before, we go, <laughs> before we get off of college football, um, Deion Sanders, Colorado. Yeah. Um, you know, he came in today, and I don't know if you heard the speech. Did you hear his speech today, Tim? I did, I did watch it before the show, actually, yeah. <laughs> For those that didn't hear, basically Deion Sanders gathered his team together and then told them that he was going to replace them all with the nil deal. <laughs> I, I thought it was was one of the more ridiculous things I've ever heard. I I I, I was I was kind of stunned there that Dion was just so. I guess it's Dion. What are we going to do? You know. But uh, I, I wanted to get your take on just the outward brashness of, hey, I'm embracing the nil deal like almost nobody else. Um, and, and I wanted to get your also your take on Liberty uh, finalizing a deal with Coastal Carolina. They stole Jamie Caldwell away or Chadwell away. Um, five years, $4 million a year coming from Liberty 
to steal away uh, Chadwell, who's been fantastic at Coastal Carolina. And all of a sudden, we're, we're hearing crickets from the UNLV organization. Oh, we, we talked about it not only on the air, but privately. Why are, why are we not even – these guys are even in conversation, Tom. And I'm not even saying they would come here, right? They're not even in, in the conversation. The, the big name, and not to get yeah, away from my – You're telling me that UNLV but, – but you're say, you just said that. You said, well, I'm not even saying they come here. So that means that Liberty is a better program than UNLV. 100%. Absolutely. Okay. And what he's done at Coastal Carolina, it can't. Where was Coastal Carolina 10 years ago, Tom? Right. Just think about that. How, how can that football program develop into one of the past UNLV up like by miles? And it's a great hire, by the way. And I love what Dion's doing at Colorado. He's saying all the right things right now. He's making it all about the, the energy around that program, bringing his style. I think it's great. I'm looking forward to seeing what Colorado does in the next few years before he leaves Colorado onto another another job, like we said. But as far as you know, Via, here's a quick one. So we talked about the job last night. We talked about the candidates. The hot rumor here in Vegas now, Kevin Sumlin. Like what? I just <laughs> died laughing. Really? Kevin Sumlin is the hot button name right now? Come on, man. I, I think we need to stop listening to the rumors. <laughs> I think I, I think after after the Rick Bettino was 100% signed, sealed, and delivered, he was eating <laughs> Italian food, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> downtown at, uh, at the Mafia bars. That's it. He's 100%. I think that the, that's when the rumor mill in Las Vegas just hit its peak. It, it, yeah, we got to stop listening to the rumors. But, well, but I'll tell least, you what. At least it was Rick Pitino, though. Kevin Sumlin? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, though, Tim. It's funny. I'll, I'll piggyback on the rumor mill you know, in college, and I retweeted this at Tom Barton Sports. It's pretty funny. Um, Brett McMurphy, who does a great job reporting on college football, right? So they had, uh, you know, the, the North Texas – you know, administration on, and they asked them for a quote basically on who their next coach was going to be. They said, we're targeting Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Sonny Dykes, Lincoln Riley, Jim Harbaugh, and Ryan Day. So there's the rumor mill, Tim. North Texas is in the hunt for Nick Saban. Okay. That's, that, that's, what, that's what the rumor – yeah, it's not Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> that, and by the that's way – That's what the rumor mill brings you. By the way, as we go to break, Rick Pitino was signed, sealed, and delivered. The AD left his wife standing on the on the curb at McCarran Airport, man. That's why he didn't come here. I don't know if you knew that story or not. So. Yeah, no, I know that. But <laughs> it's it seemed like every year Pitino was here. Oh, my God. I saw I saw him eating a little pasta fajol. That means he's here. That's it. 100% he's in Vegas. You know, <laughs> he, he flew over Las Vegas to get to Los Angeles. That just means that he's going to be part of the UNLV program. I mean, it, it's done. 100%. Hey, not to make anybody mad out there than I already do, but if Rick Bettina wanted to come tomorrow to Vegas, sign him up, man. Bring him in. <laughs> yeah. oh, that, that, that won't get any pushback. Don't worry. Right, right. Final timeout. Make it a quick one. We come back. Winter GM baseball meetings start tomorrow. Tommy and I can't wait to see what happens here. If anything happens, I hope something happens, but we'll break down the big names and possible destinations for these guys 
on the way back from this short time out. It's Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Spring training begins in two weeks. Here's a list of the players we'll be inviting to camp. I never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. This guy here is dead. Cross him off then. This is Heatwave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. All right, guys, welcome back. Yeah, we are counting down to opening day. Yeah, already, already. Why not? Well, let's let's count down. 114 days until opening day of Major League Baseball, uh, and we, we say that because the winter meetings are starting up, and this is a winter meetings that uh, we got some big names out there. We have some big names we, we obviously know about the shortstops. You got three or four shortstops again. Uh, we have starting pitching. Obviously, Aaron Judge. Everyone's waiting for that shoe to drop. And it, it's said to be, I know, look, we, we said this mo- many times. I was there in Las Vegas when it was the Machado and the, the Harper, and we all thought, okay, they're going to sign during that period. But Aaron Judge, it's been rumored multiple times that he will sign somewhere within the next week. He's going to sign somewhere before the winter meetings are over. So it's now the Aaron Judge watch. But one of the shoes dropped before the winter meetings and this is the biggest shoe when you're talking about starting pitching. Jacob DeGrom is a Texas Ranger. And Jacob DeGrom is a really interesting guy when you're talking about did he deserve the money? Should he have gotten the money? Well, it depends on what you're looking at. Look, Jacob DeGrom is coming off of making 26 starts over the last two years. Yet, universally, Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball. I mean, I, I don't think many people can argue that when he's healthy. But the caveat there is he's 33 years old. He's coming off of multiple injuries. He's injured every year. So the question of when he's healthy is certainly a prevalent question. I thought that the Mets made him a very fair deal, a very fair conversational, hey, you know what? We keep a, keep ourselves in the conversation at three years. Three years, they offered him about $33 million a year. Well, the Texas Rangers went over the top. He's making an average salary of about $37 million a year, and they gave him five years. They gave him a 33-year-old who's made 26 starts over the last two years, five years. But here's the thing. I think you have to. If you are a serious contender, the New York Mets could not be outbid here. So I'll look at it from two sides. First, we'll, we'll stare at this from the Texas Rangers side of things. And from the Texas Rangers side of the the coin here, you look at this and you say, it's a good move by Texas, but it's a risky gamble by Texas. Five years for a 33-year-old with arm problems is a risky move for the Texas Rangers. Now, I get it. Texas went all in and didn't get the results. They got Simeon. They went after Seager last year. And they just didn't have the results that we all expected them to have. It was a problem. So, They've also been in a position where you go back to like even into the 90s and the Texas Rangers have had problems with starting pitching. They've had problems with starting pitching coming to Texas and wanting to play there. But now they have a ballpark that, oh, by the way, leans pitching, not hitting. So maybe it's a different animal. They're also in a division where you have the ascending Seattle Mariners. You have the Angels who have two of the best players on the planet. You have the Houston Astros who seemingly own that division. And you're starting to look and say, yeah, we're going to get left in the dust, which they've been left in the dust. 
So you make these big, bold moves. I get it from the Rangers' standpoint. I think it's a risky gamble, and I don't think that they are a pitcher away from you know the, the World Series here. But it, I, I, I get it from Texas. I think they overpaid. I think it's a risky gamble. I don't love the move for Texas, but I get it. The other side of the coin is the New York Mets, where Jacob DeGrom won't be there anymore. I think this is one of the worst situations that the Mets could have been. And I've had it out. I've fought with Mets fans for the last couple of days. This was a situation where you could not get outbid. You simply could not lose Jacob DeGrom. Not because he's Jacob DeGrom, but because what your team is. Steve Cohen walked in as the billionaire. Steve Cohen walked in as Dan, you know, a Bobby Axelrod, right? He was not going to get outbid for anybody. Now, he made a nice play with Francisco Lindor, overpaid for Max Scherzer. And he overpaid for Max Scherzer because he said, basically, we have the one-two punch. And all year long, we worried about the one-two punch as the rest of the league was staring at, man, the Mets make the playoffs, you got to go up against Scherzer and DeGrom. And it didn't even matter that Jacob DeGrom only started 10 games last year. Didn't matter because, man, you get him to the playoffs, so you got Scherzer and DeGrom 1-2. Well, there you go. And their team is designed behind starting pitching. Look, they have Edwin Diaz at the back end, but their middle relief is a weak middle relief core. They have Pete Alonso is a nice hitter in the middle, and, and Lindor is a good player. Outside of that, their hitting is not exactly going to carry the day. So they are built on starting pitching. They've already lost Chris Bassett. Their number three, who now becomes a number two, is Carlos Carrasco, who's had arm problems of his own, and he's 33 as well. So you're relying upon Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom to be that one-two punch. You can't get outbid here. You can't. And they were. The New York Mets were outbid. Now, all of a sudden, their team philosophy shifts. It shifts to everything that we were supposed to be is no longer there. The face of our franchise was Jacob deGrom. Jacob deGrom gave us the one-two punch that we looked at, and we wanted the one-two punch to be, oh, well, here we go. Well, you don't have that anymore. It's not a one-two punch that's going to be okay. So, you look at Jacob DeGrom leaving the New York Mets to me is more uh, of a, an impact than going to Texas. I don't think that Jacob DeGrom leaving, uh, I don't think that Jacob DeGrom going to Texas makes him a World Series contender, but I think that Jacob DeGrom leaving the Mets takes them out of the World Series conversation. Tim, does that make sense where I'm going with this? Oh, absolutely. I love, I love how all of a sudden, you were telling me that the Met fans are, are trying to justify not bringing him back. Really? Just give oh, away a, a number one deal. It's too many years. It's too much money. I thought you guys had Dan, you know, Bobby Axelrod here. I thought you guys had the billionaire that didn't care about money. All of a sudden, now you care about money. Right. Right. Starting tomorrow, Tom, in San Diego. I know you did the one in Vegas, man. We, we really need to start scheduling this out as a trip for us. They always do them in warm – well, it's not warm, but warmer climate supposedly. In San Diego, Anaheim, last couple of years. We need to go to these winter meetings, man. I don't know if anything huge is going to happen, but I think it still be fun to be around all the rumors and the buzz. It was a great time when I went. and I had a, I had a blast. I really had a blast. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I would have loved to go to San Diego. You should have told me that. I would have loved to go to San Diego, Tim. And potentially, right, Tom, Aaron Judge could make a decision this week on where he's going to play. Yeah, Aaron Judge is – it's looking like he's going to. They're, they're talking about um, Aaron Judge's camp and, and basically the, everybody that, that I hear from insiders are – he's going to make his decision. And it, look, the Yankees have an offer on the table – Eight years, three hundred plus million dollars. It's looking like Aaron Judge wants nine years. Okay, that. Guys, can you hear me? Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, sorry. The Yankees are are going to be perfectly fine to to come back and counter the offer if they're allowed to counter the offer. I mean that, that that's. That's the thing here. What is it going to take to get Aaron Judge is the question. And I've said this before, and I'm saying it again. I think Aaron Judge leaves. I've said it all. I've never wavered on this. I think he leaves because I think San Francisco is going to go absolutely nuts. I think San Francisco is going to go over the top, absolutely crazy for this. The Yankees are offering six years paying him the highest uh, amount of money. Can, can the Yankees go up more money? I mean, I mean, eight years. Can the Yankees go up more money? Sure. The Dodgers have offered six, but they're offering into the $40 million. Rate. It, no, I think San Francisco is going to go crazy guys. I think Aaron judge, I, I'm hearing he's going to get nine years. I think Aaron judge is going to get 10, maybe 11 year deal. I think he's going to get an insane, insane blow me away offer by San Francisco. Tim, I think he's as good as gone out of the Yankees. And then it's going to be, how do the Yankees pivot? What do the Yankees do to fill the void of Aaron Judge? Abby came to me and she said, you know, they can't let him leave. I mean, they just can't be outbid by him because what does he leave in their wake? Who's the face of the franchise? And I said, well, I guess it's Garrett Cole. She said, yeah, but he's a pitcher. Who's the face of the franchise? And from that perspective, she's got a point. You know, the Yankees actually do need Aaron Judge, but I just don't see them going 10 years I just don't see them going $400 million. If they were going to do it, right, Tom? They would have done it already. I, what what they're doing, what they offered Aaron Judge back in, you know, last spring and April, whenever they offered it to him, what they offered him at the time, Tim, was a very fair deal, very fair contract. You can't get mad at the Yankees for offering a fair contract. What they're offering him right now, it's a very fair contract. It's a good contract. Aaron Judge and Aaron Judge's you know, people will say Aaron Judge's agent. They don't want fair. They don't want fair. They want over the top best player in baseball contract. They want Max Scherzer being completely overpaid kind of contract. That's what they want. Fair gets you so far. Fair gets you publicity. So we, we as Yankee fans, they want us to say, ah, you know what? They gave him a fair deal. You know, they they tried. that. They, they, they are putting out, the Yankees are putting out, we tried offers. And I get it. Look, you don't want to go crazy. The guy's been injured. He's 30 years old. I understand it. But the reality is that's why he's going to leave. Because the Yankees are offering fair deals. I think San Francisco is going to offer an insane deal. And we've talked about this, whether it was Lamar Jackson or people that are <clears> – <throat> represented with our teams or, or maybe we consider fan we're fans of those players. And I know you, Tom, you always look at it logically, 
but being a fan of Aaron Judge, why not just give him what he wants, man? You, you can't do it because of Aaron Judge's history. <clears throat> I get it. He's the face of the franchise. He's got his Judge Chambers. He's got, uh, you know, he, he can be the next great Yankee. It's all great, but there's got to be that point that you look at. And I never side with management. I want Judge to get every dollar, okay? I want them to do it. But I look at the management side of this and I say, Aaron Judge has been injured most of his career. Aaron Judge finally put it all together. He put it all together because he stayed healthy. How many more healthy years? If we, if the Yankees, the money isn't the thing. Look, if the Yankees get outbid on an eight-year contract, I'm going to be pissed. If the Yankees, you know, Yankees are offering thirty-seven million. If they, if uh, you know, San Francisco offers them eight years, forty-five million, and the Yankees don't match it, I'll be pissed. But the ten years, if you look at this and you go, okay, I'm very convinced that Aaron Judge is going to give a, give me another three really good years. Then I'm very convinced he can give me. Two more years after that. It's the five years on the back end. We have the evidence, Tim. Albert Pujols was the best player in baseball when he signed that contract with the Angels. The last couple of years of that contract, not even a couple, last five years, four years of that contract, it was a drain on the team. Miguel Cabrera was the best player in baseball when he signed that long-term contract. The last three, four years of that contract, oof, it has been brutal. The Yankees have it with CC Sabathia. CC Sabathia signed that contract. Last two, three years of that contract for CC was brutal. These long-term contracts, you look at the end. Aaron Judge is a guy that I think for the first three, four, even five years, he'll be productive enough. But do you want five years of him dragging down your payroll where you you just a self-inflicted payroll where you can't go over it? I understand. You could suck up two or three years. I don't think you could suck up four or five. All right, Tom. Short time here. We got about <clears throat> five minutes. Obviously, after Judge, the big talk will be the four shortstops that are available in the free agent market. Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Bogarts, and Dansby Swanson. Where are these guys going? I'm hearing Swanson's going to Philly. That makes sense. Um, that that that's a a pretty good landing spot for him. Trey Turner, I don't know. I, I Trey Turner is kind of the guy up in the air. I think Trey Turner is the backup for Aaron Judge. If Aaron Judge goes, I think the Yankees go all in on Trey Turner. Um, I, I think that that's kind of their move right there. Carlos Correa is also obviously on the Yankees' radar. I hope they don't go that route, uh, but I could see them going that route. I, I, I think you're going to see San Francisco be the pivoting. If they don't get, uh, you know, they turn around, they don't get Aaron Judge. They'll go with a Correa or or very maybe a, a Xander Bogarts. They're going to pivot to that direction. So I think Seattle, um, I thought that they were going to be kind of a team that could be involved. I don't know if they are. Maybe your Angels are a team that could be involved. I, I just, I don't necessarily overly buy into it. The Orioles could be one of those teams. But I think at the end of all this shuffle, I think Boston probably winds up with, with one of these guys, the loser of the Yankee-San Francisco uh, end game there. The Dodgers will wind up with a shortstop. And then it's going to be probably Philadelphia. I would say Philly-Swanson. I think the Dodgers probably re-sign Trey Turner. I think the Yankees get uh, get uh, Correa as a judge replacement because my life sucks and they just want me to be miserable. <laughs> 
I'm going to go trainers. Uh, Turner stays with the Dodgers. Bogarts to Philly. Swanson stays with the Braves. And give me Carlos Correa in an Angels uniform next year. What do you think? Really? Well, let me ask you real quick. Look, I, I'm not against it, but I know we're up against a break. Tim, if the Yankees lose out on Aaron Judge, what's their move? Because I think if the Yankees lose out on Judge, I think they go all in on Verlander and, and Trey Turner. Yeah. I th- well, I was going to say Verlander for sure. Um, maybe Rodon back, back-to-back back arms at that point. They just go with the pitching route. Oof. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. Two pitchers that have been injured quite a bit. I think if the Yankees do it, that if the Yankees lose Aaron Judge, I think they have to get it back. They have. I mean, they just flat out have to. Yeah. I, I'm okay with starting Volpe and Peraza, uh, but th- there's a big hole in the middle of that lineup then. And, and obviously, I was taking a stab on a couple of those. I do. I do think Swanson stays um, in Atlanta. I think Bogarts. I'm not sure what Boston's doing right now. They're, they're they're a wild card in my head. But Turner is L.A. or in New York probably is the way it's going to work out. And I'm hearing a lot of people saying that the Mets might get in on Trey Turner now. Um, <laughs> Mets have their sights set on Verlander and on, basically Verlander and only Verlander. If they lose out on Verlander, they're going to have to do something. Trey Turner makes sense. I just don't think Trey Turner comes to the Mets and goes and plays second base. He doesn't want to play second base. Right. Well, let's see if any dominoes fall this week at the GM meetings. With that being said, Tom, tell everybody about all the great things Tom Barton's doing right now. Yeah, guys, go check out TomBartonSports.com. Another winning week, another winning month. I just had a month where I hit nearly 70% in all sports. That is at TomBartonSports.com. I, guys, it's not often that I'm gushing about how hot and red hot my this company is. This company over the last seven weeks is as hot as any in the country. That is according to multiple websites, multiple verification sites. Go check it all out. You guys want to listen to me? Check out Sports Garden, Wanna Bet Weekend Edition, Wagering Week, Believe in Betting on the Believe Podcast Network. Guys, go check me out at YouTube as well. It's Tom Barton Sports over there. We are back on December 18th. That's a Sunday night. So until then, enjoy your sports. We are also over on social media always at Tom Barton Sports at HW Sports. So check us out there and all the great places Tom is available as well. Tommy, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks, man. Have a good one, guys. For Tom Barton, Tim Unglesby, Ryan, talk to you on the 18th. It's Heatwave Sports only on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Good night.